Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today. Agriculture is Saskatchewan. And 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Seedmasters Nova Series 2. No clever message, just simple, no-nonsense precision. Learn more about the features at seedmaster.ca. Today, there's a COVID-19 issue at the Moose Jaw Pork Plant. Agribition launches a program to find the 50 most influential farm people across Canada. The Canada West Foundation releases a report on farm trade with China. Real Agriculture looks at an intriguing story of Kazakhstan trying to obtain Canadian soybean seed genetics. The Malt Barley Technical Centre releases a report on malt barley varieties for spring seeding. And we have a comment from a farmer near Moose Jaw from a grain growers video presentation aimed at legislators. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM News Director Jim Smalley. The Saskatchewan Health Authority has declared a COVID-19 outbreak at the Thunder Creek pork plant in Moose Jaw. The outbreak at the meat processing facility was declared Monday. The Thunder Creek pork plant, owned by BC-based Donald's Fine Foods, employs about 265 people in Moose Jaw. Donald's Industry Relations Manager Neil Kettleson says the situation is fluid and the plant remains open. The SHA declares an outbreak when two or more people test positive for COVID-19 and are all linked to a specific non-house household setting or event within a specified time period, according to the website. Some of Canada's largest COVID-19 outbreaks have erupted in meat processing plants this spring, with two plants in Alberta particularly hard hit. Canadian Western Agribition in Regina has launched a search for the 50 most influential people in Canadian agriculture. The public campaign is part of Agribition's digital program, launched after the annual livestock show was cancelled this month due to the coronavirus. The five categories are titled Upstarts, Mentors, Innovators, Dealmakers and Designated Hitters like Keynote Speakers. Agribition CEO Chris Lane says nominations are open until the end of the year. Well, Jim, this is pretty exciting for us. This is uh, something that allows us to reach all of Canadian agriculture right from uh, coast to coast to coast. And, you know, we thought it was important to find a way to celebrate the people who are doing great things in our industry and and who deserve a little recognition. So we've uh, come up with this campaign. FCC's come on as a presenting sponsor. They obviously have a pretty big pan-Canadian footprint too. So we're excited about that. And um, really, we've got five different categories. Each of them have a great sponsor too. And what we're looking for is individuals. uh, You know, they can be in primary production. They can be... um, mentors, they can be scientists or researchers, they can be business owners and entrepreneurs, uh, or volunteers in ag societies like, uh, like there are all over this province too. And, um, you know, really there's, a, there's going to be a list of 50 finalists, but I think one of the great things about the program is that we're, we're going to see dozens and dozens of people um, get a little bit of spotlight in for the work that they're doing in agriculture. And I think 
it's it's kind of been a tough year, obviously, and and if we can help celebrate things in our industry uh, even a little bit, we're happy to do it. So the search begins today, and there is a deadline. And yeah, that's right. The search uh, opens up today. It's a nomination-based thing. It's all online at agribition.com. We'll take nominations till uh, the end of 2020, till December, December 31st. Uh, and then we've got a, an excellent panel of some pretty uh, recognized leaders in agriculture right across this country that are going to help figure out out of all the people that get nominated who's uh, who's going to be in that list of 50, and we'll make that public. We'll do a big uh, reveal of that list on Canada's Ag Day in February. So February 23rd, I understand, is the big unveiling of the top 50 finalists. That's right. February 23rd is Canada's Ag Day, and we're going to do uh, uh, a big reveal on social media and uh, in the press about that. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on agribition. I mean, the show was cancelled this fall because of COVID-19. What's happening at the agribition offices? Well, right now, I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of a, a strange time where we should be in the in the real hard work and, and long days of getting the grounds here in Regina turned around to host agribition, and obviously we're not doing that, but it is busy around here. We've got uh, about a dozen different programs that we've built and are trying out, and again, all with the purpose of trying to uh, to keep agribition relevant for our exhibitors and uh, advocate and move ag products around the world. So, you know, there's a lot of work that we do at agribition that's outside or in support of the event that still gets to go on. We still have our mentorship program. We've got a scholarship program. We're doing a lot around international market development right now. And we've got a uh, live commercial cattle sale coming up uh, in November too. So, you know, in different ways, different parts of Agribition are, are still going full steam ahead. Agribition is hosting one live sale this month in partnership with Johnstone's Auction Mart. A live commercial cattle sale will be held in Moose Jaw on November 28th. The sale will be broadcast on the internet. Chris Lane is the CEO of Canadian Western Agribition. Hey. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. Canada and China are a good match when it comes to agricultural production and consumption, but there are political obstacles to overcome. The Canada West Foundation has released a new report that says it's important to start re-engaging with China on longer-term farm issues. The two major hurdles right now is the arrest of a senior Huawei executive in Vancouver nearly two years ago at the request of the U.S. Meng Wanzhou is fighting extradition and is allowed to live in her Vancouver home. Meantime, two Canadians remain in a Chinese jail. Their arrests were seen as retaliation by China. Other impasses between Canada and China include restrictions on democracy in Hong Kong, and reported human rights violations among the Uyghurs in northwest China. Now, while China can exert political pressure, it's not immune to food security issues. That's why China is purchasing large amounts of corn and soybeans from the U.S. under phase one of a trade deal between the two countries. It's a situation that the Chinese regime does not like, according to Carlo Dade, the director of the Canada West Foundation's Trade and Investment Center. China is not going to solve our agricultural trade problems to do us a favor or to help us. But China will solve a Chinese problem. And reliance on the U.S., a country that's openly hostile and that has used food as a weapon in the past, is a problem for China. And it may serve as a basis for Canada and China coming together to talk about a new conversation about ag agriculture 
either when the time is right or as a means to begin that conversation. China is Canada's second biggest export market for agricultural products valued at $6 billion a year. Much of that comes from Western Canada in the form of wheat, canola, barley, peas, pork and beef. And while China is important to Canada, Dade points out that the Chinese need our food as well. For chief agricultural exports, Canada is a top 10 source for China in processed food. It's a top five source for livestock and for vegetables or field crops. Uh, Canada is one of the top three sources for China. But it's not just the volume of exports that are important, it's the quality. For a country like China that is obsessed with food security, where food security is an overriding political problem, where it's a question of regime stability and legitimacy and continuation, the quality or reliability of the exporter is also important. Dade adds that Canada is a much more reliable exporter of agricultural crops and products than most countries. Russia, Kazakhstan, twice in the past decade and a half, have imposed export restrictions on agriculture, both countries most recently with the COVID pandemic. The United States uses food as a political record, uh, weapon. The country has a rap sheet for using food as political leverage, including refusing to sell grain to China during its greatest famine. Canada, on the other hand, bucked the U.S. and sold grain to China during the famine. So if you were to factor in qualitative measures, especially political measures, the case for Canada grows even stronger. The report makes two other recommendations. Have more Canadian trade officials in China and food inspectors who speak Mandarin. Dade does not know when or if there will be an opportunity to re-engage China on trade issues, but adds Canada needs to be ready when that time comes. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with RealAgriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147 on Sirius XM. I am joined right now by the Executive Director of the Canadian Plant Technology Agency, better known as CPTA. He is Lauren Hadley. So, Lauren, I- interesting development here. I remember talking to you about a, well, about a year ago, hearing about some nefarious activity by some seed or grain buyers in Kazakhstan to source Canadian soybean genetics. And apparently this this is happening again here in 2020. What's going on, Lord? So what has happened is uh, the Kazakhstan um, companies recognize the Canadian varieties as being leading genetics that would work in their country. Um, for the second year in a row, they have gone out and gone directly to farmers and seed growers trying to buy leading Canadian varieties. The reason they're going direct to farmers and seed growers is the breeders and distributors uh, have not come to any agreement with them to export those genetics into Kazakhstan. 
So they're going around the legitimate uh, distributors and breeders and direct to farmers and making offers to purchase for shipment. And I'm assuming in big quantities. Well, what it is is that the standard quantity looks like they're trying to buy something that ships well. So they're shipping, you know, they're trying to uh, source lots of anywhere from 10 to 40 tons of particular varieties. And, and they're reacting to those things that farmers in Canada have supported as being good varieties. So our best wheat varieties, our best uh, pulse varieties, our best barley varieties, that's what they're focused on. They watch social media, and, and when farmers talk about how a variety is really good, then you find them out there trying to buy some of it to get into Kazakhstan to grow in competition. So that's what's happened. They've come back again. We had extensive discussions inside the industry. We discussed it with the companies in Kazakhstan or the company involved. We've had discussions with government. Um, we've been unable to, to stop them from making these attempts. So now it's time to, to warn seed growers and farmers if somebody picks up the phone and wants to buy the best variety and they want to buy it as seed or they want to buy it as really clean grain and they're telling you they need to ship it somewhere to uh, repackage it, uh, if you ask them directly, they may not tell you, but the likelihood is it's going to Kazakhstan. Now, are, are, these, are these people... Are the people doing the purchasing, are they actually in Kazakhstan, or are they using Canadian agents to, to make the purchase? They've used both. They've used uh, direct calls from Kazakhstan or from other uh, Asian countries, or they've had, uh, at different times, hired people in Canada. The, the individuals change, but the goal is the same. Uh, we'll pay you for this product. We will ship it to a transloader who will put it in mini-bulk bags, and it'll be going into Kazakhstan. So it's it's all going in mini-bulks from what we can tell. It's always a leading variety. If it's a variety in great demand in Canada, then that's what they're targeting. Now, you said you sp groups have spoken to the Kazakhstan government. This product has to get into their country. Are they doing what they can to prevent this activity, or is, is there like a lack of enforcement on their side? Well, I think you'd have to talk to the Canadian government about that, because those are government-to-government -government talks. That's not the role of uh, organizations like CPTA or the distributors. Our role is to make sure that those people that are representing and selling Canadian seed in Canada understand that no one has granted the right to export our genetics to Kazakhstan. We've found no example where there's an agreement between a breeder to export his uh, genetics to Kazakhstan. So, you know, Kazakhstan is a country under development. We respect that um, the rule of law, whatever exists there, but enforcement by a government is something that the Canadian government has to discuss with that government. It's not something we can do. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather 
Partly cloudy sky, wind south 20 becoming west 30 gusting to 50 early this afternoon. The high today plus 6 and the low minus 6. Tomorrow cloudy, periods of snow beginning in the morning and ending in the afternoon. Wind northwest 30, the high minus 3. Wind chill minus 8 in the morning, minus 14 in the afternoon, the low minus 14. Friday sunny, the high minus 8, the low minus 9. Saturday sunny, the high minus 1, the low minus 11. Sunday partly cloudy, the high minus 4, the low minus 11. Monday partly cloudy, the high minus 5, the low minus 10. Tuesday partly cloudy, the high minus 1. Normal high for this date minus 3, the normal low minus 13. The sun rose at 818 this morning. It sets at 509 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, Cornac. In the south country at plus 7. The cold spot, Collins Bay up north minus 12. Estevan plus three, Saskatoon minus five, Swift Current plus three, Weyburn plus five, Yorkton is plus four. Regina sunny and plus five, that's 41 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southwest at 28. Humidity 70%, the barometer dropping 100.2. Sunny and Moose Jaw plus five, winds are from the west southwest 37, gusting to 59. Once again, Regina sunny and five, that's 41 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. The Canadian Malt Barley Technical Centre has released a list of recommended malting barley varieties for spring seeding. Managing Director Peter Watts says each of the recommended malt barley varieties hold the most promise for farmers in terms of marketing their barley for malt. Well, the established varieties, uh, same as last year, include AC Metcalf, CDC Copeland, and AAC Synergy. So these are the varieties that are obviously being grown in um, in the largest uh, amounts uh, currently and uh, are widely accepted by customers both domestically and around the world. But you say there's some new varieties you want farmers to consider. What are they? Yeah, we have uh, several new uh, registered uh, malting barley varieties in Canada that are very promising. Um, they include AAC Connect, CDC Bow, and CDC Fraser. And all these varieties are now uh, being produced in, in commercial quantities and are being tested by the domestic malting and brewing industry as well as, the, the, uh, as, well as our customers around the world. Why should producers consider these new varieties? There's always the chance of rejection. Yeah, the new varieties that, uh, tend to have better agronomics, uh, better uh, um, yields and resistance to lodging. Um, they have better disease packages. So overall, for producers, these varieties are advantageous, um, and they have good malting and brewing characteristics, so they will have good chance of selection. Uh, the challenge for us as an industry is to get these varieties accepted by uh, all the major customers of Canadian malting barley, and that's what we're working on now. So how do you do that? What do you do? So we uh, do the pilot testing uh, here at the CMBTC on in our facilities. We do malting and brewing tests. We provide the, the results to the customers um, so they can review that. We provide them with samples of the new varieties and we even uh, send containers of new varieties so that companies can do production trials on location. So we're sending um, you know, 100 to 400 tons of these new varieties to customers in China, for example. And then they can process them themselves and, um, and, and 
see how they perform in their own uh, facilities. What other countries besides China would you do this kind of market development for? We would do it with uh, the United States, uh, Japan, uh, Mexico. Uh, those are currently the major customers for Canadian malting barley and, uh, and malt. And this all goes for, obviously, beer? It's all going primarily for beer. A little bit goes to the distilling industry, but uh, the vast majority is going into the brewing sector. And how important is this industry to Canada? Oh, I mean, it's a very important industry. Sales of uh, malting barley and malt uh, alone are worth about a billion dollars a year if you combine domestic and international sales. So it's a huge industry, very important for farmers in Western Canada. And how much do we produce every year? Well, we produce around 10 million tons of barley in Canada. Uh, about a little over half of that is malting barley. So somewhere in the neighborhood of five to five and a half million tons each year. And about half of that again ends up getting selected for malting barley. So that the other half ends up typically into in the feed sector. Uh, but uh, a good portion of it, particularly this year with the good dry harvest, uh, gets selected for malting barley. And of course, farmers want to grow malting barley. It commands such a price premium. Well, it does sometimes uh, have a price premium, although currently because of the very strong demand for feed barley um, in the global market, particularly uh, from China for Canadian feed barley, we're actually seeing a very narrow premium between feed and malting barley right now. Um, so uh, that's good news for producers in the sense that it gives them uh, options, but it's not the same kind of premium that we do see in, in some years. Peter Watts is the Managing Director of the Canadian Malt Barley Technical Centre. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. The Grain Growers of Canada launched a 20-minute video this week that talks about the modern realities and challenges that Canadian farmers face. It's designed to educate legislators and policymakers about the business of modern farming. One of the speakers on the video is prairie farmer Paul Thorogood from Moose Jaw, who describes a year in the life of a grain farmer, and he does it in 90 seconds. Effectively, we seed as soon as we can seed without frost, and we seed as much of our crop as early as we can because we want to capture that early spring moisture which is, is incredibly important here on the prairies. Um, after we're done our, our spring seeding operation we quickly move into um, weed management in our crop so we're spraying for a couple three four weeks and then we transition into managing disease and that's all scouted of course and and you know using uh, some of the predictive tools that are out there to determine when we need to use a fungicide and when we don't. Throughout that entire time period, we're also managing insect pests. So scouting for insects uh, and beneficial insects, and then again using the support tools to help us decide, do we need to take an action to control these pests or are the crop rotation actions that we've used adequate? Um, another thing that we manage through that time is looking at uh, um, market opportunities, which is really a 12 month a year. Um, we had about a third of our crop marketed before we even put it in the ground because that way we ensured that we had A, cash flow, but B, we were uh, growing crops at a, a profitable price. Um, we then move into harvest, and uh, harvest is payday. And that's an exciting time of the year that is also stressful. Um, but we, we harvest, you know, starting in August and ending often when it snows. And then uh, throughout the winter, we spend our time marketing grain, doing books, um, hauling grain, repairing equipment, and, and all that sort of thing. 
Again, that's part of a new 20-minute video put out by the Grain Growers of Canada. You can find it on YouTube. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices at Viterra were showing upward movement in early morning trading. Canola gained $7.40 at 5.24.17. Number one red spring wheat rose 20 cents at 2.37.92. The rest were all unchanged. Durham, 2.88.44. Feed barley, $209.70. Flax, 6.71.75. Lentils, $602.50 per metric ton. Oats 201.53, yellow peas 322.89, and feed wheat 183.72. Minneapolis spring wheat December futures went up three quarters of a cent at 5.49 and a half cent a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of November 17th. Our last regular sale was on November 11th. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.65 cents to $0.75. Cents. D3 cows sold from $0.55 cents to $0.65. Cents. Good butcher bulls sold from $0.95 cents to $1.05. We had a pre-sorted calf sale here on Monday. The market it was up three to four cents. 300 to 400 pound steers averaged two dollars and 66 cents and sold it to two dollars and 82 cents. 400 to 450 pound steers averaged two dollars and 55 cents and sold it to two dollars and 68 cents. 450 to 500 pound steers averaged two dollars and 37 cents and sold it to two dollars and 68 cents. 500 to 550 pound steers averaged two dollars and 25 cents and sold it to two dollars and 37 cents. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged two dollars and 12 cents and sold it to two dollars and 20 cents. 600 to 650 pound steers averaged two dollars and one cent and sold it to two dollars and 14 cents. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged a dollar 93 and sold it to two dollars and two cents. And 700 to 800 pound steers averaged a dollar 85 and sold it to a dollar 93. Some of the highlights from the sale were a load of 430 pound black steers at two dollars and 68 cents a pound. Two loads of 500 pound black steers at two dollars and 33 cents a pound. Two loads of 550 pound black steers at two dollars and 17 cents a pound. Two loads of 600 pound black steers at two dollars and six cents a pound. A load of 650 pound exotic steers at a dollar 99 a pound. And a load of 700 pound exotic steers at a dollar 92 a pound. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. Now the latest pork prices. Ham sold 6,800 hogs Tuesday, selling a range of 163 to 181 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,700 head, selling a range of 164 to 174 per CKG. Ham's number one sows this week are selling in the range of 33 to 38 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is mixed, and four contract prices opened lower this morning. On Tuesday, the Canadian dollar is down five basis points, with the daily exchange at 1.3094. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 76.61 cents U.S. 
Today, the U.S. cash markets are mixed midweek, but all regional prices are still trending lower compared to a week ago average reference prices. The daily carcass value is now below the $80 level for the first time since week ending September 12th, led by Bellies, which posted a one-day drop of $7.92 U.S. to 100 weight, and are now at their lowest level for this market week going back to 2013 when the new reporting format started. A prolonged period of COVID-19 restaurant food service restrictions may disproportionately impact the value of the belly primal in the short to midterms. Retail will not make up for the loss in the restaurant food service sectors as related to bacon. Yesterday, Lean Hog Features experienced an update, but follow-through buying has not materialized today, with all contracts tr- are trading lower through mid-session. Exports remain good, but the domestic demand concerns have offset export optimism at this time. Coming up, the resource report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns, and more. Build with confidence. Olympic-buildings.ca. TC Energy says it signed a deal allowing a group representing five First Nations to invest up to $1 billion in the Keystone XL pipeline project. The investment is contingent on natural law energy securing financing. The agreement also contemplates the group representing four First Nations in Alberta and one in Saskatchewan pursuing an interest in future projects. TC Energy approved construction of the Keystone XL pipeline after getting financial backing from Alberta, but U.S. President-elect Joe Biden has said he would cancel its presidential permit. Wholesale sales in Canada increased by a higher than expected 0.9% in September. Stats Canada says sales rose to $66 billion, boosted by gains in the food, beverage, tobacco and personal and household goods subsectors. The increase was more than double the 0.4% that economists had expected. But Nikita Pervalov, Director of Economic Forecasting at Scotiabank, notes rising prices accounted for all of the sales growth as volumes declined. Strength in the energy and financial sectors offset losses in telecom and utilities to help lift Canada's main stock index in late morning trading while U.S. markets were mixed. The TSX Composite Index was up 38 points at 16,986. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 134 points at 29,917. The Canadian dollar traded at 76.53 cents U.S. compared with 76.37 cents on Tuesday. The January crude oil contract was up 50 Five cents at forty-two twenty a barrel, and that's the resource report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at one forty-five this afternoon, and an agri news report at three forty-five p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another agri news report at six forty-five a.m. That's Saskatchewan agriculture today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good morning. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.